Hello again, this is Brandon for the Changeville podcast once again. This week we have another interview uh, that is part of our collaboration with the Samuel Proctor Oral History Program at the University of Florida. Um, as you may recall from our previous interview with War on Women, um, the Samuel Proctor Oral History Program is a program at the University of Florida that captures oral histories and they specifically have a uh, punk rock project where they interview artists involved in the punk scene in Gainesville and beyond and um, we were digging through their archives and we found an interview with Chelsea Carnes from Wax Wings and as you know Wax Wings was uh, one of the bands that played at Changeville 2018 and we thought that the interview with Chelsea would be perfect for this podcast uh, it covers a range of topics from Chelsea's music and the music scene in Gainesville in general. She talks about uh, a lot of the history of Gainesville's musical scenes, specifically being involved in the folk punk community and what that means. Chelsea talks about Dirty Fist, a band that she was in before Waxwings, and those of you who have been here long enough will probably remember Dirty Fist. I certainly do. Uh, also, just side note, um, it was the first time I had heard anybody talk about Tim and Terry's in a while, so it uh, brought me back to my high school days there, R.I.P. Tim and Terry's. And of course, you'll get to hear how she's uh, making a positive change in our community uh, through her work with Girls Rock Camp and beyond. I want to thank uh, the Samuel Proctor Oral History Program again for partnering with us and allowing us to uh, to broadcast this interview that they did with Chelsea. And I also want to thank Ian Mikish uh, for editing uh, this week's episode. So I'm not going to be coming back at the end of this interview with any kind of wrap-up or anything this time. So I just wanted to say it now. Uh, keep an eye on the Changeville website and social media for any uh, upcoming news about Changeville 2019. The festival will be here before you know it. And we've got a lot of great surprises in store for you between now and then. So until next time, here is the Samuel Proctor Oral History Program's interview with Chelsea Carnes. Sam Proctor Oral History Program. It's December 26, 2016, and uh, I'm here in Gainesville with Chelsea Carnes. Uh, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if I can ask, did music play a role before you got to Gainesville? Definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, music, if I'm talking about, you know, my personal history, I can't really separate music from it because... One thing I'm really grateful to my parents for is that they did encourage me to play music as a kid. And um, so when I was really little, my older sister started taking piano lessons. I was probably like five or six years old and I wanted to take guitar lessons. I wanted to take music lessons like my big sister, but I didn't want to play what she played. I wanted to do my own thing. And so I wanted to play guitar, but I was physically too little as a five-year-old to hold a guitar. And so my parents, um, there's this one old woman in the neighborhood who was like probably the only musician in Interlochen and she, outside of like the band program at the high school there, I guess. And she taught all the young Interlochen kids 
music lessons. Like anyone who wanted to learn music, like she was probably the only person who taught lessons in the town, as far as I know. She taught drum, electric guitar, piano. Like she knew how to play every instrument. She's wow. probably in her 70s. Or, and she seemed really old at the time. I was really young, so maybe she wasn't that old. And <laughs> she just seemed old to me, but, but I think she was pretty old. And, um, and so I wonder, as a woman of her era, how she even knew how to play those instruments. But... She knew how to play everything. We would have a recital once a year in the Interlochen Civic Building or whatever, and all the you know young country bumpkins she'd been teaching uh, music to would go, and I would play my ukulele at the recital, and um, eventually, and so I did that off and on. I would kind of lose interest and then go back to her and lose interest, and then when I was big enough, I started taking guitar lessons, and my parents were supportive of that, um, and I, I took to the guitar, um, really heavily and still really love the guitar. When I started to get more into guitar, I started listening to like more like classic rock. I got into like Janis Joplin and um, and also just like kind of female singer-songwriters because I was also finding feminism in high school. Feminism and music were like really those two things and finding them, you know, music had always been a track since I was very little, but music led me to places like the Civic Media Center, which you know, used to be located in a different building closer to the university. And as soon as I could, you know, bike away downtown, like get away from my parents and have a bicycle and independence to go wherever I wanted in Gainesville, I would bike over to the Civic Media Center, to this bar called Tim and Terry's that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so I would bike over to spaces like that for open mics or to see shows. So I would say like music and politics really kind of came together for me in high school. And then certainly thereafter, all the touring and traveling I did that was directly related to music was always indirectly related to like politics and the progressive left movement because of the spaces it would take me to. It's not just that, um, let's say, folk punk bands became kind of prominent and um, things like that, but I think also a lot of punks started to discover things they recognized as resonating with punk in other stuff, in old folk music, and mm -hmm. started drawing it in more. Yeah. Um, I think that's another aspect of the process. And so I don't know, like if you, because at least the music I've seen in terms of, I've looked on YouTube, I've seen you play, like, mm -hmm. You don't play traditionally punk stuff, mm -hmm. which of course is not not a criticism. It's like just <laughs> an observation. Yeah, um, but I mean, do you have that kind of experience where that's sort of how you've? Did you look at it kind of through that lens, or were you just kind of playing the music? Well, with Dirty Fist and you know bands that I've played with since, we were just kind of writing the music that came to us and. We didn't kind of set out to sound one way or another. And sometimes it was frustrating, and we would talk about that, how especially, um, it, you know, Gainesville wasn't exactly like an epicenter for folk punk or anything. Like, we were one of the only folk punk bands in Gainesville. Um, and so, and it wasn't like there was this kind of natural following, whereas, you know, it kind of seems like it, with with punk music in Gainesville, or with some, I'm trying to think of specific types of punk music, like hardcore music, for instance. Yeah. If you're into hardcore, you know about the hardcore show, you go to the hardcore show, like which bands are playing is sometimes not even that relevant. And 
Um, I mean, maybe some people would totally disagree with me on that, but... Um, no, I know, I know what you're talking <laughs> it's about. It's like everyone goes to the hardcore show, and it's the same with folk punk. Like, everyone who's into folk punk, you know about the small handful of folk punk bands, and everyone goes to those shows. I would see the same people are not explicitly writing to be punk, um, but that there are these kind of people who... How do I word this? People who like a certain kind of music, and so sometimes it's a little bit frustrating to not be in a category where it's like oh, everyone likes this kind of music or, you know, like EDM or something like that. There's like people who just go to that show because it's an EDM show and they like EDM. Whereas we're like, we play banjo accordion music, you know, and we hang out with a lot of punks and, you know, live in a punk house. And so I guess that makes us punk, but we don't come to in our band's called Dirty Fist, which is a, also a ridiculous band name that sounds much more punk rock than we were, but... Um, so sometimes it was frustrating not to be like in this to fit easily into a genre and it sometimes I've thought how easier how much easier it might be just to be in a straight up like three piece punk rock outfit you know very just standard style um, but I've but I've always been more interested in weird instrumentation and in um, and just kind of playing whatever comes to mind and trying to fit into a specific mold what made you kind of not give up? And I know that's a, a broad question. So my, so I just lived in these crazy punk houses basically where we were like packing people in to small shitty houses to have cheap rent. And the, and the people who were okay with that were people who I tended to have a lot in common with. Like a lot of us liked listening to punk music. We liked, um, you know, we had funny hair and we didn't shave our legs and we had, um, you know, we wore a lot of black and we, you know, we were, we were kind of without trying to conform and, and certainly without wanting to conform, we all thought we were not conforming. We were all kind of conforming to this punk style. And, um, and anyway, so living in places like that, I had like this built in community of, my housemates, their friends, you know, my, my friends who come over to the house. And, um, and one of the things about playing acoustic instruments is that they're very social instruments. So I can't tell, I mean, I've lost count many times over of how many nights I've set, you know, stayed up till 5 a.m. next to a fire in the backyard or on the front porch, you know, making fun of people who walk by, playing guitar, <laughs> you know, talking shit, just hanging out with um, with people like that. Um, and that was, I know there, Gainesville was big enough to where there were many scenes kind of happening within the punk scene at once, but that was my, my friend group at the time or people who liked to stay up really late, who liked to sing together, who liked to, you know, drink heavily and talk about politics. We loved political discourse, um, any kind of, uh, political discourse and that's something that's changed a lot too I feel like people are so uncomfortable talking about politics these days and back then we would disagree and we would you know we would get into these arguments but never once be actually mad but we would be like just vehemently fighting for a belief and then by the end of it maybe we would persuade each other to think differently or maybe we wouldn't but but it was it always felt really safe to disagree and now it doesn't feel that way so much anymore that's one thing that's kind of changed in the punk scene that's kind of a tangent but um but that was kind of this, yeah, this crowd that I had. So, so when Dirty Fist, for instance, would play shows, like those people would come, and I never felt like 
I was, uh, I mean, sure, we played shitty shows every now and then. Yeah. Like, everyone plays crappy shows every now and then. Where no one, you know, there's hardly anyone there. You're just playing for the other touring band or whatever. But, um, but we were privileged to have a really strong kind of crew that would that really supported us and made us feel cared for. And even though it kind of sucked to be one of the only folk punk bands in town because there wasn't like a community specifically about that kind of music, like some cities like Bloomington might have had. But um, but it was also kind of awesome because every time a really great folk punk band came to town, we were the band that got asked to play with them. So we ended up playing like with all these musicians that I really admire. And, um, and because we were such a weird band, like, two women, you know, um, and then usually we had a fluctuating cast of characters, like we, by the end of it we were a seven or eight piece band, so like touring too, even though we were like this freak show kind of, um, that actually, I think for some, for some, in some ways added to our appeal and um, got us into some kind of like crazy situations that we might not have experienced, like really good shows that we might not have experienced if we had just been like a typical punk ensemble. So in, in some ways, sticking out and being weird and not fitting in, even in the punk scene, uh, helped us. Yeah. Do you notice something distinctive to Gainesville or distinctive to Florida? Yeah. I think it was just distinctive to, yeah, like, even like we were talking about earlier, I don't know if we talked about this before we turned the tape thing on or not, but, um, but this idea that punk is this large umbrella for many different other things. So like, even when we toured, we were, we were trying to play, you know, we were playing in like apothecaries run by, you know, punk rock herbalists. And it seemed like wherever we went, we met people um, that were reminiscent of the weirdos back home. You know, like we didn't, we didn't often find ourselves in macho scenes. And even when we did, I just felt like, like I remember falling down in mosh pits and stuff and having people, you know, big beefy dudes like just scoop me up and be like, okay, you know. That's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> right. So I, I don't I don't have a lot of experiences with being in a scene that was labeled punk where I felt threatened or my I think the games and the Florida punk scene might be a little extra weird because Florida's just a weird place. But I can't really distinguish it. When I think about the things that made it weird, I can think of people and Santa Fe, New Mexico, or Ithaca, New York, or, you know, other places I've visited, the Bay Area, wherever, that were just as weird. How did you even get started with touring? Yeah. Um, well, before I got into touring, I got into just traveling in general. I think that traveling came first. And then music, I loved playing music, but music was almost like a means to an end, because um, my bandmate Chelsea and I, I think we're both really interested in traveling and in seeing more of the world. And so we would book tours kind of partially just based on places we wanted to go or when we had friends who would move away, we'd be like, okay, well, they live in, you know, uh, Chicago now. So let's do a tour of Chicago to go visit our friend. You know, it's kind of, uh, it wasn't as much about, you know, some bands are like, we dropped our album, we're going to go tour to like sell the album. And it was never like that for us. Music was always kind of, it was our passion and we loved it and it was what enabled us to do all this traveling but really it was just that we had wanderlust and we wanted to visit new places and meet new people and um and i was really interested in community work and um kind of like community service type stuff and having spent so much time at the civic media center um was really interested in other spaces like it so a lot of our tours we would intentionally kind of like tour around info shops and other places 
we did one tour where we went to Europe and traveled around for two months playing shows and that mo- Chelsea, my bandmate, mostly booked that because she lived in Germany um, a couple times uh, studying abroad and so she had she spoke German fluently and she also spoke French better than I did from our high school French classes. And so through that and through another way, especially we relied when we went to Europe, we relied a lot on other bands kind of similar to us, other bands in the folk punk scene who'd already been to Europe. We wrote them and we're like, hey, where did you go in Europe? Do you have any contacts? Uh, yeah, bands that we like to, we would just you know reach out to, and maybe we'd only seen them one time in Gainesville for a night, and like gotten a chance to walk on the prairie with them or something. Um, but that was enough for them to like remember us and be like, oh yeah, here's phone numbers for like people all over Denmark who will help you with shows or whatever. And um, so that is how that's mostly how we toured in Europe. Um, you know, we're touring, but you're not a tourist because you immediately, you know, we would play a show in Berlin and end up at a squat in Berlin hanging out with other punks and it was just like fit right in wherever you go when you're, when you're able to bring music with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I still love about my band now, Wax Wings, doesn't play out of town as much because we are a six-piece band and two of my bandmates are married and... Um, one of them has kids, one of them is about to have a kid, so we, like, we don't do as much traveling, but when we do, it's something I still love where you can just go and play a show and kind of have instant friendship, even if it's just 24-hour friendship with, you know, the people in that space. Some of the projects that I've been a part of in Gainesville that I'm most proud of directly come from my experiences touring, for instance, um, uh, so Girls Rock Camp, um, mm-hmm. which I'm really involved with in Gainesville, uh, the reason that I was able to start that or even kind of knew about it was my friends in Jacksonville who I'd met from playing shows in Jacksonville um, started one there and um, and asked if I would come, you know, just knowing me from like one night on tour, um, asked, you know, asked if I would come up or maybe at that point I'd probably played there more than once, but not very much. Like I probably only met these people on two or three occasions. But they just heard my band, we'd hung out, we'd spent the night at the same house and talked. And so they kind of knew what I was about and vice versa. Asked if I would come and um, perform and be a part of Girls Rock Camp the first year I started in Jacksonville. And so I went and I did that and it was so inspiring. Came back here, I was like, let's start one here and did. Something I'm still really proud of that directly came out of touring and seeing other cities, like seeing what people in other cities were doing and then coming home feeling really inspired. Girls Rock Camp. Um, can you just explain a little more about it? And I mean, so you you learned about the idea elsewhere, but more of your kind of motivation and inspiration for doing it. Yeah. Too. Um, so so right. So I went to Jacksonville um, and performed. So I'll say what it is. So Girls Rock okay. Camp. Um, the basis of the camp is to use music and performance as a platform to encourage self esteem. And girls. Um, so um, girls, what age? Like um, so, most of them. They're all over the country, all over the world now. Um, most of them focus on um, eight to seventeen, like somewhere in that range. We usually we started out doing like seven to seventeen, and then each year we bumped it up a little. <laughs> like oh, seven year olds are tough, and the eight year olds are kind of tough too. So like I think this year it's nine to seventeen probably is what we'll mm-hmm. be doing. Um, but so that it's a in our case, everyone does it a little differently in each town that has one. But um, it's a volunteer run, um, women and non-binary identified pe- volunteer run um, camp. So 
basically we recruit all of these awesome women from around town who are, some of them are musicians themselves, like a lot of the volunteers at camp play in bands in Gainesville. Um, some of them are librarians or teachers or some of them are parents themselves and, you know, um, are the idea of the camp appeals to them. Um, it's like all kinds of different women and I've made a lot of really amazing friendships with a lot of women who I would have never met probably outside of camp but this idea of like feminism and rock and roll like brought us all together and we put together a week-long summer camp the girls come they learn how to play an instrument either electric guitar electric bass drums or vocals um, and or no keys and then whoever wants to sing can sing. And they're put into bands and they have a week to learn that instrument, write a song with their band, and then at the end of the week they perform the song for their family and friends at a venue downtown. And also throughout the week they attend workshops on like women's self-defense, women's rock and roll history. Um, uh, this year we talked about, um, we've, we've let ourselves get more and more uh, edgy and progressive, which is wonderful each year. So, so this year we've also talked about, um, we've added um, transgender issues and talking about gender pronouns, um, and we've talked about um, police brutality, and um, we've talked about race and racism. We did like kind of a social justice 101 this year where we watched videos related to different, um, like, um, uh, like fat phobia and body size, body image stuff and things like that. Um, we had a sex positivity workshop and a body positivity workshop. So it's basically like this um, feminist summer camp <laughs> that uses music to, uh, to encourage girls to um, have better self-esteem and, and be liberated. Do you feel like people are hearing you all the time or are they ever kind of listening for something you're not trying to be if that makes sense i don't know about that i mean that kind of goes back a little bit to the captions on bands on like yeah. flyers and even now on facebook event pages and stuff like that they're like if you're on tour especially it helps to have a little caption and mm. and i'm always torn about that because um yeah like i said i'm, I'm much more apt to go to a show if i know that there's a woman in the band um or if I know that, the, you know, there's some diversity in the band, um, but it's also it would be really weird to be like, you know, black woman fronted band or, you know, queer drummer or whatever, <laughs> you know, like how do you really let people know that? Um, but I mean, you were talking about how it used to be kind of a wonder if there was even a woman in the band, but that's, that's the same. It's still like that. Like it's still, I go to so many shows and, um, and now the band that I play in, Wax Wings, uh, I love my bandmates very much and they're all gentle feminist men, but they're all men and they're all white and they're all cis and they're all straight. And so still frequently, even now we play more kind of in the alt country scene with that band. And even then I'm, I'm frequently the only woman at a show. And when I book shows, I, I try to go, I go to efforts to ask um, bands with women or with some representation outside of like white straight male um, to perform and in that directory, the band directory I've been trying to create, I've been trying to make sure to include as many bands that, you know, are outside of the, the standard um, phenotype and gender or whatever, or race. Yeah, I, I don't know those as, as feeling pressured to play one way or another, because I think in the, in the scene of music that I'm a part of, people 
mostly appreciate experimentation and um, and they're, they're kind of pleased when it seems to me people are pleased when you don't sound maybe how they would expect you to sound. What do you think punk continues to offer, again, broadly, but as a kind of space, like whether it's for the, the girls in the girls rock camp or just for anyone kind of coming up or for you yourself, like mm-hmm. it seems like you're not really divesting yourself of that late. Well, probably everyone you ask will tell you something really different, mm-hmm. but based on just my experiences, um, it's an opportunity to think critically about the world. Um, like when I, funk, punk, funk, <laughs> <laughs> uh, punk fit perfectly into this moment in my life where I was, you know, questioning my parents, questioning authority, questioning uh, my life and my purpose and, you know, like, like my ideals and what I'd been taught and sort of have like a genre of music. I think of punk as music, although some people, it's not even limited to music for a lot of people, but I think of it, I guess, as community as well, but community based on music really is the way I think of it. So, um, so to have access to that and to have like, um, a, a culture, um, a counter culture that, that is questioning culture and that is questioning authority right along with you, um, can feel like a welcome home when you're, you know, confused and not just for a lot of us, you know, found it in our teens when we were kind of going through that phase, but I come back to it again, like throughout my life, like the music, not, <clears throat> not necessarily like going back to live in a punk house again, <laughs> like that, but, um, but I, I return to the music all the time, even when I'm, you know, I'll get on kicks where I'm just listening to like Patsy Cline for a week, but then, you know, I'll put on Defiance Ohio or some other punk band that I love and, and really, uh, feel just as like woke as I felt when I, when I heard it as a teenager. And, um, so yeah, I, th- I think it can, it can be a home for critics and dissidents and people, weirdos and people who are, who, who need a space to question society. Yeah. I mean, mostly that a, a place, a place to practice your critique of society. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and to be weird and to be amateur if you want, like we were talking about earlier, I do think that's a really important part of punk, um, a place to experiment and to kind of step outside of who you've been told to be or felt forced to be and, um, all that. Mm-hmm.